Father, which is, which is again, why we come every Sunday morning. We, we come here because we know um, that you're our God who carries us through these really difficult and dark and trying times. We, and uh, we're thankful for that. And we, in the midst of those seasons, we not only know that you're carrying us, but we know that you're, you're guiding us and you're leading us and granting us wisdom, which is also why we, we come to your word. Uh, we come because we know we need your wisdom. We know we need your guidance, and we recognize we can't do this on our own. And so, Father, we do pray now as we come to your word that you would speak to us and that you would speak clearly and powerfully to each one of us wherever we're at and that you'd give us guidance for how to live in this world that you've placed us in. And so, Father, we pray that anything that would distract us from hearing your word, anything that would hinder us from hearing you speak, that you would, you would push it away, you'd, you'd push it off to the side, um, and then give us the, the focus to hear you speak clearly to us this morning. Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. We're continuing to work through Habakkuk. Uh, the first week was Habakkuk kind of bringing his complaint before God. Last week we heard God's response to Habakkuk. And this week we hear Habakkuk's response to God. And you'll get the gist. He's Habakkuk says, that's not the answer I was looking for. (laughs) But this is Habakkuk's response to God. O Lord, are you not from everlasting, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You've made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet, for by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. As I read that this week, I I remembered this kind of natural human tendency um, that that we see in in little children, uh, that we see in teenagers, uh, and that we see in adults. Um, Let me give you an example, kind of at each stage in life. Um, You catch two of your young children doing something uh, that they're not supposed to be doing. And so you, you separate them, you take one child, you kind of pull them off to the side, and uh, you correct them for what they just did. You know, we don't do that in this house. What's going to be the first thing that comes out of their mouth? You're either going to hear, he did it first, or he did it worse, <laughs> right? 
And they grow up, they become teenagers, and uh, you notice something going on in their life that needs correction. Maybe it's the way that they dress, maybe it's the way that they talk. And so you pull the teenager aside and you say, like, we don't talk that way in our home, right? We don't dress this way in our home. This, this is not honoring to God. Um, and what's the first thing that's going to come out of their mouth? I know people in my school that dress way worse than I do. I know people in my school that talk way worse than I do. And then we grow up. <laughs> we become adults. Um, you notice somebody around you having an issue with alcohol maybe or someone who's having an issue with the way they're using their money. And so you talk to them. You try to help correct them. And you say, like, it maybe seems like you're using alcohol in a way that's not helpful. That's not a real good path to be heading down or seems like maybe you're not stewarding the money that God has given you well. Um, and what comes out of their mouth? I know a lot of people who drink way more than I do. I know a lot of people who spend their money way more foolishly than I do. It's kind of an interesting tendency, right? Like, we, we like to compare ourselves to everyone around us, and especially like to compare ourselves to those we think that are doing worse than us. Right? It makes us feel a little bit, a little bit better. And, and not only that, but, but when, when somebody comes and wants to bring some correction to our life, our immediate response is to say, like, don't look at me. <laughs> look at them. They're, they're way worse. They need more correction than, than I do. Um, and you know what you need to do in that moment, right? As a parent or just as a friend and, and you're trying to help someone, you're trying to bring some correction, and they start pointing the finger elsewhere, uh, whether it's a child or a teenager or an adult, um, what you need to do is you need to look them in the eye and say, I'm not talking to them right now. <laughs> I'm talking to you, right? I'm not talking to your brother. I'm talking to you, and I'm talking about your actions. I'll get to your brother eventually, right? I'll deal with them, but now we're talking about you. And so it's interesting, we kind of see this dynamic going on between God and Habakkuk, right? Um, remember, we started off when Habakkuk brings his prayer to God. He says, all right, God, I've been, I've been praying to you for a really long time. I see strife and contention and anger and violence and injustice. God, do something. And God says, I am doing something. I'm raising up Babylon, and they're going to come and bring judgment upon you and your people. And Habakkuk goes, what? No, no, no. Those guys are way worse than us. Don't look at us. Look at them. And God does eventually say, no, I'm dealing with you. I'll deal with them eventually. <laughs> but I'm dealing with you. And so it's funny because Habakkuk is like, no, they're, they're way worse. Let me tell you how bad these people are. And he says that, describing Babylon, he's using kind of he, he brings all of these people up, all of these nations up with a hook, and he, he drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, and he rejoices, and, he, and he's glad, and he, then he sacrifices to his net, and he makes offerings to his dragnet, because by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is this nation to keep on emptying his nets and mercilessly killing nations forever? And so he's using this right? Like the nations are like the fish of the sea and Babylon's like this greedy fisherman that just keeps 
scooping them up and throwing them on shore. Scooping them up and throwing them on shore. There's no mercy. He's just catching fish after fish after fish with his nets. Um, but there's, there's actually more going on here. There's, there's this analogy of, of the hook. Um, because Babylon didn't just like come in and overthrow towns and, and nations and then go on. They would, they would kind of overcome the walls of the city. They'd overthrow the city. And then they'd gather up a bunch of people and kind of lead them out of the city in chains and bring them somewhere else. Um, but the interesting thing, like when you picture that in your mind, right? So try to picture Babylon leading people out of the city in chains. We, I would bet... Most of you have a picture, they're, they're like shackled, hand and feet, kind of walking out of the city, right? That's not how Babylon did it. Um, Babylon would come in and they'd chain them up, but they would take a big hook and hook it through their lip. And then run that chain to the hook, to the lip of the person in front of them and hook that into their lip. And they would lead them out, chained and hooked, lip to lip. Which is why he says, they bring people out of cities like a hook. Like, that's why he's using this fish analogy. He's, that's how bad these guys are. You think we're bad. Look at them. They're just nasty, wicked people. And he says, not only that, but, but like these people, they come in and they overthrow the city and they've got all this luxury. And they don't even acknowledge you, God. They don't acknowledge that you're the one that, that actually gave them power to do this. They... They sacrificed to their net. You know, they sacrificed all of the tools that they used to conquer these cities, their power and their armies and their, and their weapons. They, they make those things into God and they completely ignore you. They're, they're not just a wicked nation. They're, they're idolatrous too. How in the world, God? And so Habakkuk is just like pointing the direction the other way, right? Don't look at us. Look at them. They're bad. Do something about them. You think we're bad. They're way worse. And so we have this tendency inside of us, and yet uh, one of the things that we can really learn from this passage is um, the way Habakkuk wrestles with these things is, is actually really helpful. So he gets some things wrong, and, uh, but, but the way he wrestles with this is really helpful. So remember a couple weeks ago when we started this book, I said one of the things we're going to learn as we go through Habakkuk is how to live in the midst of a messed up world, right? We can look around, we see strife, contention, violence, injustice, we can see all of that, and we're like, how do I live out my faith in in a world like this, in a culture like this? And so Habakkuk teaches us a little bit of how to do that. He gets some things wrong, uh, but he gets some things right. And, And one of the things that he teaches us is that we really need to hold tight uh, to what we know about God, about who He is and what He's done, right? So two weeks ago I said Habakkuk teaches us we need to just be people of prayer in a world like this. We need to take our, our anger and our grief at what we see on the world and we need to go and lay that at God's feet. And now today Habakkuk shows us not only do we need to do that, but we need to hold firmly to, to what we know about God because there's a temptation that we can go out into the world and we can see violence, contention, strife. You can see all of these things, all the messed up things, and we can start to think, maybe God's not who he says he is. And we start trying to change our understanding of God to kind of match the circumstances around us. And Habakkuk says, no, you can't do that. You actually need to hold tight. This is who I know God is, 
And now I need to interpret the world around me in that way. And so he begins his response. Like You can tell he's not happy with what God just said, but then he starts off and says, God, are you not from everlasting? Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One. Right? He, he's confused, but he says, but I know this about you, God. You're, you're from everlasting. You've, you, you existed before everything was created. You exist now, and, and you will continue to exist even on into the future for eternity. You're, you're from everlasting, and you live to everlasting. And he says, okay, I'm, I don't understand what you're doing, but I'm going to hold on to this truth that I know about you. And, and what comes along with God being from everlasting to everlasting is that God is who He is and He doesn't change. And so Habakkuk says, all right, I know that you're the same God who made promises to Abraham a long time ago. And you're the same God that I'm speaking to now and it's the same God that we're speaking to now and you don't change. And so I got all of that, but what's happening now doesn't make sense. He goes on, he says, okay, another thing I know about you, Lord, is that you are holy. He says, you're my holy one, or you are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. And so he says, okay, I know you're everlasting, you don't change, and I know you're holy, and you're pure, and you can't look at evil. I, I know these things, Habakkuk is saying. And, and it's interesting, right, because he might be tempted to not believe these things about God, because he looks around at the world, right? And he says, I look around, I see violence and contention and strife, and it seems like you're looking at evil, but he says, I know that you're not, that, that you're holy. I know that you're pure. I'm, I can't change how I understand you based on my circumstances and what I see. He, he's holding, holding firm to these things. He also says, okay, I know that you're eternal. You're from eternity. I, I know that you're holy and you're pure. And he says, I also know that you're sovereign um, and in, you're in control of all things. He says, oh Lord, you, you have ordained Babylon as judgment. You've made this, you've ordained that this will happen. And you have established them, like you've raised them up to bring correction on us. And then he says, you've made mankind like fish of the sea. You've made us vulnerable without a ruler. You've made it so that Babylon can come in and switch. Like, I know you're in control, God. And again, that's something he could easily say, be tempted not to believe anymore, right? Because he says, I look around, all I see is a mess. Everywhere I look, I see things that are not good. And, and he would be tempted to think, maybe God's not in control. Because if God was in control, things would be different, right? Yet Habakkuk doesn't do that. He says, no, even though I don't understand God is still in control. He's the same God that was, who's always been, right? He's eternal. He's holy. He's pure. And he's in control even when things don't make sense. And he just grabs hold of that and says, I'm not going to let go. But one of the most kind of beautiful things in the midst of this that Habakkuk knows that he holds on to in his prayer is that he knows that he is his God. He's not just some random God. He's, he, twice he says, Oh Lord, my God. My Holy One. I know you're not just some God out there, but you're my God. Like there's a relationship here. 
between us. And, and then he uses, if you notice in there, LORD is in all caps, right? If, if you notice that in your Bible, that's telling you that like the Hebrew underneath that is God's covenantal name, Yahweh. And so it's this name that's always used to remember that there's this relationship between God and His people, that there's this promise that God said, I will be your God and you will be my people and we're going to be in relationship with one another. And so Habakkuk is saying, I know this to be true. You're my God. We're in relationship. You've made promises to me and my people. And again, he could be tempted to think that that maybe wasn't true, right? Because God just said, I'm going to bring judgment upon my people. And Habakkuk could easily be tempted to say, well, maybe he's not my God. Maybe we're not his people. How can he judge this? How can he judge us in this way? But again, Habakkuk doesn't do it. He says, no, I know this is true. You are my God. We are your people, and I'm going to hold on to that. Even it may not, Things may not make sense right now. I don't know how this lines up with what I'm seeing, but I'm going to hold on to that. And that holding on to these truths changes the way we pray in a really powerful way. We can see how, how it changes the way Habakkuk prays, right? And, and so like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, part of living in this messed up world means just being continually in prayer, bringing our grief and our anger to God. But as we bring our grief and our anger to God, we cannot forget who God is. We need to remember that God's eternal. He doesn't change. We need to remember that God's holy and He's pure. We need to remember that God's in control of all things. And we need to remember that He is our God. And when we hold on to those things and then bring our grief and our anger to God, it, it changes how we pray. And so look at how Habakkuk prays when he starts grabbing hold of these truths. He says, the first thing that comes out of his mouth, God, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We will not die. It's like all of a sudden this moment, he says, wait, I know you're the same God who made promises to Abraham. I know you're holy and you're pure. I know that we're your people. You're my God. That means you're not going to wipe us out. You're going to bring judgment, but you're not going to completely wipe us out. You're a good God still. And and you can kind of see what happens. He grabs hold of these truths and he says, he all of a sudden gets clarity in the middle of his confusion. Just a little, little glimpse of clarity, because the next thing he says is like, I don't know what's going on. But a little glimpse of clarity and a little glimpse of hope in the midst of his confusion, because he knows, I know who my God is. He's not going to wipe us all out. Judgment is coming, but we have some hope. Um, but he's still confused. He's And he. And so he's confused, right? He's trying, he's like, okay, I know this about you. I know that you're holy. I know that you're pure. I know that you can't be in the presence of evil. I know that you can't even look upon evil. But I don't get it because I see evil. And so there's this kind of wrestling match, right? And, and he's like, but, and I know, I know that we're your people but how can you use this wicked people to bring judgment on us? 
Um, but again, notice that he's taking what he knows about God and it's shaping his prayers. It kind of puts him in this wrestling match with God, but a good wrestling match. So like Habakkuk's not wrestling with God like an atheist, right? So like I've done a lot of apologetics. I've talked to a lot of atheists. I've friends who are atheists over the years. And they'll wrestle with God and they'll say, look at your God. Let's all this evil stuff happen. He doesn't care. What kind of a God? What a capricious, malicious God. He just wipes out nations. That's not what Habakkuk is doing. Habakkuk is wrestling with God by faith. And he comes to his God and he says, God, I know who you are. I know these things about you, but it doesn't make sense to me right now. And what he's saying is, help me understand. Like, bring some clarity here, because I, I know you're holy and pure, but I see these things happening, and I don't know how these things line up right now. Like, I don't know what I know about you, how that lines up with what I see in the world. So help. Clarify this with me. Um, it's, it's really a prayer that I find myself praying a lot, and, and I think you guys should or could or do pray a lot from the, Old Test- or from the New Testament. This guy cries out to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? Habakkuk goes, I, I believe these things about you, and I just don't see clearly, so help. Strengthen my faith, Lord. Help me see clearly. Um, which is why Habakkuk ends with a really powerful statement. He says, all right, God, I will take my stand at my watch post. And station myself on the tower and, and look out to see what, what God's going to say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And again, we see at the core, Habakkuk is putting his faith and hope and trust in God. He said, this is where I'm going to look. He said, he's been reminded of, of who God is. He's, he's kind of wrestled with God by faith. And now he says, now I'm going to keep my eyes on you, God, until you answer me. Because I know you will. It may not be when I want it, but I know you will answer. And she says, I'm going to plant my feet. I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And I'm not going anywhere until you answer. And it's pretty powerful because... Like, this shows where Habakkuk puts his hope and his faith and his trust, that he puts it in his God. Like, that's where he goes for hope, and that's where he goes for wisdom, because like I've kind of repeatedly said throughout this sermon, it would have been easy for Habakkuk to look everywhere else for hope and wisdom, right? It would have been easy for Habakkuk to kind of look at the world around him and, and, and say, teach me. Tell me what's going on, right? I don't understand what God's doing, so maybe you'll help me. And so he could look to the world for wisdom. He could look at his circumstances for wisdom. Or, as we often do, he could look to himself for wisdom. But he doesn't do that because he said, no, I I trust my God. I know who he is. I trust him. And so I'm keeping my eyes on him until he answers. He doesn't look inside himself. He doesn't look anywhere else. He says, I will not leave until my God, until my God answers me. And that's really only a resolve that can kind of be stirred in our hearts through faith. That's one of the things. It's not a resolve that you just stir up within yourself and try to 
you know, strengthen yourself to kind of stand firm. It actually just comes by, by faith. It's, it's by faith that we know who our God is, right? It's by faith that we know that our God's from everlasting and He's to everlasting. It's by faith that we know that God's holy and pure and, and can't be in the presence of evil, can't even look on evil. Um, but it's also by faith that we know that He sent Jesus into the world to save us from our sins so that we could be cleansed and, and purified and that we could actually enter into the presence of God. And we know that it's by faith that we receive that forgiveness, right? What, by we, we look to Jesus in faith. He cleanses us, forgives us, and then He adopts us into His family so that we can now call God our Father. But we can also call Him, He's not just God. He's my God. He's my Father. He's watching over me, and we grab hold of those things by faith. And we hold on to those truths no matter what the world has to say about it, no matter what our circumstances tell us about it, even in our confusion about what's going on, we still hold tight to these things by faith and refuse to let them go. And then by faith, again, we come to our God in prayer. And we say, God, I don't understand. I know this is who you are, but this is what I'm seeing I believe, help my unbelief. And by faith we trust that he'll give us some wisdom, some insight, some clarity. And by faith we trust that God will come to us and he will strengthen our faith. Um, and by faith we plant our feet at the, at the watchtower, as Habakkuk said. We, don't, we refuse to look to ourselves for wisdom. We refuse to look at our circumstances for wisdom, we refuse to look to the world for wisdom, but by faith we plant our feet on the watchtower and we say, I know who you are, God. This doesn't make sense, but I'm not going anywhere until I hear from you because I know you will answer me. I know it. And we know that by faith. Let's come to our God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come again just continually thankful that we can call you our God and that we can call you our Father. And as we talked about last week, you're our Father who's powerful enough to, to help us in times of trial and because you're our Father, you delight in, in helping us in times of trial and walking with us. And, and we're thankful for that, Lord. And yet, we do come to you and, and we confess because we often... Uh, don't trust you as we should. We often look to the world for wisdom. We often look at our circumstances or even look inside our own hearts and turn away from you. And, and Father, we confess that we often let our circumstances change the way we understand you, um, even though we know that you're a God that cannot change. And so, Father, we do ask that you forgive us. And we ask that you forgive us for looking other places. We ask that you forgive us for misrepresenting you, misunderstanding you. Um, but Father, we not only ask your forgiveness, we ask that you, would, that you would meet us, that you would fill us anew with your spirit, that you would give us wisdom and, and insight to live in this world. And, and Lord, when, when we're confused and perplexed, help us to come to you 
and to wrestle with what we know about you, Lord. Help us to, to hold firmly to the truths that we know about you, but also to wrestle with how that works itself out in the world. And we do pray, Lord, that, that you would give us wisdom and clarity and insight and hope in those moments. And, and Father, we pray that you would also stir a resolve in us to keep our eyes on you, um, trusting that you will answer us in your perfect timing. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.